You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. How are you guys doing today? It's exciting. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. Be the Bridge community. I am excited. Like I say, I'm always excited for the guests that I have on the podcast. But I love bringing people that I know um, to you, our community. And so this is just such a welcoming community. And I want you to welcome uh, Mr. BJ Thompson, also known as Coach Thompson. He is here. BJ is a life coach. He is a speaker and author who helped launch one of the largest faith movements in recent history, the 116 Movement, with mm-hmm. Grammy Award-winning artist Lecrae. He also served alongside uh, Brian Loritz to expand groundbreaking racial reconciliation work in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, BJ has worked with tens of thousands of individuals and couples over the world, helping them to experience personal and relational growth. Um, Currently, BJ serves as the executive director for Build a Better Us. He has a bachelor's degree in sociology from the University of North Texas and a master's degree in Christian studies from Union University. He has been featured in Relevant Magazine, Propel, uh, Propel, Christianity Today, Barna, and other publications. Um, And so he has also um, worked with the History Channel, um, ERSLC, Desire and God Universities, and all of these things. And his wife, um, Banjay, Banja, Banja, and his wife, Banja, has been married um, for 16 years, and they live in the wonder. Oh, Okay, let's let's let me say that again. He and his wife Vanja has been married for twenty years, and they live in the beautiful city of Atlanta. Okay, now listen. I'm not interviewing everybody from Atlanta, which I would like to interview everyone for Atlanta. He just happens to live in the great city of Atlanta with me, and they have three children. So, I am so grateful to introduce our community to uh, Mr. B.J. Thompson. B.J., how are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me on Be The Bridge today. Yeah. First of all, that was a mouthful. That was a that was a lot. Like, you know, um, from your work, like everybody that's listening to me, they probably stopped at Lecrae. They probably said, so Lecrae, what? Is this Lecrae? No. <laughs> they probably heard that. Um, you know, and all the things that you've done. I, I met, we met probably I think it tw- we met online on Twitter, I think, originally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I saw that you were from Atlanta and I started following you, um, you know, Just when I was living ago. in Austin. Yeah. Austin. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Years ago. And then we connected on just, you know, just following each other. We knew some we had some mutual friends. And then when I moved um here, I was trying to get reacquainted with the city and meet different people because a lot changes in five and a half years when you yeah, when does. you leave a place, yeah, you does. know. And so we met and had lunch, um, and you know, well, I had lunch, you had half a lunch because you were <laughs> vegan, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so yeah. there was not a lot that you could eat there. <laughs> Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, but we, we sat and talked and, um, you know, and just had a great conversation. And so I've been following you every, even before then, but mm-hmm. following some of your things closely. And mm-hmm. um, I know you're good friends with Beth Moore and um, I consider Beth Moore a friend of mine also. And so um, we have mm-hmm. a lot of um, um, friends in common and, and stuff. So tell the audience, who is BJ Thompson? What's going on? Who are you? Like I read your bio, but yeah. who are you really? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Well, first and yeah. foremost, thank you for the warm welcome. We love the work that you guys are doing at Be The Bridge. And, you know, I think it's a very essential work because oftentimes 
where really we live in a world of tribalism. People are in their own tribes. Um, They, and I specifically say that because that's what it feels like. It feels like everybody is is about their own individual agenda. And it's very um, difficult, but necessary to create more of an integrated, pluralistic society where people can have Mm -hmm. meaningful dialogue and connection across different races, backgrounds, um, and understandings. And so just super proud of the work that you are doing and the trainings that you guys are doing. Again, I remember when you were at Austin Stone and just trying to put it together. And it's like, man, just to watch where this work has grown to now to where, man, the the small groups, the trainings, the connections and all the different things. Yeah. But more about me. Yeah. So I'm a uh, Texas man. I come from the great nation of Texas. That's what they call it. Oh, we'll right? forgive you for that. No. Right? So, <laughs> I love Texas. I that's love right. Texas. So, you know, the, the thing is, and I didn't notice until I left, I thought every state knew their state bird, their state <laughs> pledge of allegiance. So, you know, we moved from the regular pledge of allegiance to the Texas pledge of allegiance. I didn't know that wasn't normal. Um, the blue bonnet flower. I mean, you literally, when you were in Texas, you were in its own world. Um, I'm a Dallas native, not a cowboy fan or hater. Um, was raised by a mother who had me at the age of 17, a dad who left school in the 10th grade. And I grew up at the height of gang culture in Dallas. And so much of what, you know, my early lifestyle was having to navigate tons of volatility and thinking mm-hmm. I had everything I needed. Well, I moved away an hour away to the University of North Texas and realized that the skills that I had learned uh, only really worked in that setting. And so that was a very eye-opening mm-hmm. moment to realize that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you are the flavor that you are, but there's way more, you know, different types of people that look just like you. Mm-hmm. They have more life skills than you. I uh, met my wife, Vanja, there. We're actually, in August, we'll be celebrating our 21st anniversary. Wow. 21st year anniversary. That's right. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And I am just a proponent of seeing people um, championing their own growth, championing their healing, taking agency back over their life, and helping create more of an integrated but seamless experience that allows people to grow. Mm. Yeah, that is so good. Tell us about like one of the the main things I I hear you talk about your um, the organization that you are the executive director over, um, and it's called um, Build a Better Us. And this mm-hmm. is kind of like modeled after um, your book is kind of modeled after this the mission and vision of the organization. Mm-hmm. And so your your part of your mission mission says we are a growth and development organization for people and for families. So tell mm-hmm. us a little a little bit about what you do and mm-hmm. what are some of your goals and um and then also how can people connect with it with your organization because it's okay. needed i mean just when you start talking about families build a better us all that yeah. stuff is like exactly what we need you know in this world today so i would love to hear more about you know that strategy no that's a great question so i mean i, I kind of mentioned this i came from a mother who at 17 right one of the most okay. eye-opening moments my daughter right now is 19. She's almost 20. I have a wow. I almost have a 20 year old walk around here. Oh my God. Uh, I, it even, first of all, you don't look like it. Mm-mm. And it's you know probably black so don't real. crack. You know, black you know, don't crack. Yes, don't yes, yes, black don't crack. <laughs> no, I don't crack. No, I don't crack. That's, yeah, what, that's but, what I say. Unless but, you don't crack. But, no, but here's the eye opening moment for me, right? So this is for uh-huh. the listening audience. When my daughter was 16 years old, I remember looking at her and I had this thought. My mother was my daughter's age right now when she was pregnant with me. Hmm. And then when my, my daughter was 17 years old, I had this real epiphany. I thought, my mother birthed me, birthed me at this age that my daughter is. Then I stood hmm. back and I asked myself, if I were to let my daughter have now full control over a baby, what all could she give to that child at the age of 17? And I was like, she can barely even clean her room. I don't know what she can give this child, right? <laughs> that limiting right. amount of skills, tools, resources was my reality. My father left school in the 10th grade. Mm. And I've always found myself going from different environments, from the suburban communities to the private networks, to the rural communities, to the urban communities. And I found that quickly... I was lacking critical skills to grow. Because of it, 
I've had, you know, I have what's called the gift of development, right? And I didn't know that's what it was called. I'm the oldest of three, have always had to figure it out for myself. What I learned was if you have the right tools and the right resources and the right mindsets, you can accomplish things much quicker. You can accomplish Mm -hmm. them with less trauma. And that's what Build a Better Us was birthed out of, was how can we give working adult, working professionals, the growth tools, resources, and relationships that save them time and keep them from experiencing trauma around transformation? Mm. And so the organization was really birthed out of this. It's coaching, right? But it's holistic coaching because we believe you are a whole person. You are encompassed of a mind, body, and spirit. Therefore, we don't camp out on one particular area. Again, you know, we come from this background where everything's spiritual, right? Everybody is spiritual. And then when you think you've gotten it, they give you a deep spiritual term you've never heard of before. And now you're just scratching your head, worry about that thing. But you don't know how to build a healthy relationship with a friend. You don't know how to manage your finances. You don't have any idea on how to develop your career. And so uh-huh. Build Better Us essentially became a coaching network for working professionals to give them the programs, the products, and the experiences that would allow them to develop these critical skills, even though they have a busy life. So, yes, that's essentially what we do. Oh, wow. Wow. So how, and how long have you how long have you been doing? Um, um, have you been the CEO at the, um, of Build a Better Us? How long have you guys been in existence? 12 years. So we about 12 to 14 years, but I didn't become full-time. I did not go on full-time until the last five years or so. So five years ago, I got super serious, said, all right, it's time to go all in and really get clear about what we do. Again, this is one of our resources, Awaken a Better You, right? So We're going to talk about that. (laughs) Right. So this is one of our resources is writing books, programs, courses, um, and experiences, providing experiences for people to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know one of the things you talk a lot about is just even your 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 personal health. Like you went through this journey. Tell us a little bit about the journey you have gone through to build oh, yeah. a better you. Oh, yeah. So one of the points <laughs> is that, you, well, really one of the realities. So 2013, my dad died unexpectedly from a stroke, heart mm-hmm. attack. <laughs> It's very unexpected. He wasn't sick. He wasn't overweight. He wasn't any of these things. Get a phone call. I was actually living in Memphis at the time. And I had just come back actually from Atlanta. I was living in Memphis, but I had just come back from this event in Atlanta, this conference. I'm sitting on a porch. My mother calls me and she is like weeping. And I don't even know. Like she's uncontrollable. I'm just like saying, mom, just get it out. Say what happened. So then she blurts out, your dad just passed away. And I'm just sitting in shock, Tasha, because I, I just I can't even grapple what is actually happening. It just, you know, things become a blur. Uh, so my brother and I drive to Memphis and it is true. You know, he's passed away and mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to figure out, like, what what does this mean? Because now, mm-hmm. you know, we're having to, to deal with this. And that was very shocking because my dad was a loving, kind man. But his ability, him him taking care of him was never priority. And he was always taking mm. care of other people. Had, you know, certain things he coped with. So he worked a lot, you know, had a poor diet, smoked. This is like little things. And these things like literally made his body collapse. And so, mm. you know, after, really after that moment, it really just kind of sobered me, but nothing about my life had changed just yet. 2018 or so, I started just looking around. I realized my health was on the same trajectory, almost one for one. My work habits, my personal life. Um, the only thing was missing was like, I, I don't smoke. And I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, if I continue down this pathway, I'm going to leave the exact same way. My dad passed at 53 years old. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my life will end unexpectedly. So, you know, I did something very radical. I just started saying... I'm very afraid of changing. I don't know what's going to happen. That's what we do, right? Your body just scared. Like, yeah. I wanna, yeah. yeah, I'm scared. I want to make a change. I don't know what to do. But I said, I would rather give everything I can trying to be a new version of me than to simply allow myself to go where I know things are going. And that's mm-hmm. when I made the change. I made the change 
to, and this is specifically around like my health and my my fitness, but I made like several changes, major changes that year. Right. And after seeing that change, you know, for a year or so, I wrote a course. I actually mm. wrote a course <laughs> called the 45 Day yeah. Challenge. Okay. And I invited a few people into it. They were like, man, this works really well. And now, man, we've probably had about three to 5,000 people go through this, this course. What? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I yes. remember when you started it. Yes. I remember when you started it and you were getting people. And I was tempted. I was tempted. You know, so we're going to have to talk offline about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was oh, tempted yeah. For it, oh, yeah. So. <laughs> so, so, listen, but I think this is where people started taking my coaching seriously. Yeah. Like, okay. Again, if you, you hear me say, oh, I'm a coach, I started this major movement, you know, this, that, and the third. See, that's one thing. It's another thing when I can be a utility mm. to your health transformation. And remember, I've mastered the principles, mm. right? So I know the spiritual formation, yeah. I know the mental health. Now it's like the physical. And when people started saying like, man, this is a consistent result, I honestly believe that's when I turned the corner as a coach. That's when people are like, oh, I trust you. <laughs> Anything you say, I do. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Uh huh. Wow. Wow. And I mean, how you know, just just, and I know this has made like just everything kind of like uh, awaken for you, just doing this yourself and then leading others in That's this. It. And I know, I know a few people. I know a few people that have gone through um, y- your program, and I and I'm 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 seeing the results, you know, and so. Um, you just hosted recently an awakened conference online. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. At the start of the year, you had Beth Moore, you had Christine Kane, you had Lecrae, you had um, Sam um, Acho, um, you had Cal um, um, Kovar. Um, Cover, okay, um, Kyle Cover, mm-hmm. um, and I'm like, oh, these are all people I've had on the po- podcast except for Christine okay. Kane. I need to get, I need to get Christine Kane on here. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, that does. Des- so you designed um, to. This was a design to encourage and awaken the mind, body, and soul. Um, tell us a little bit about that conference. Why you chose these people, and uh, what uh, what did you want people to take away from um, the conference? It's a great question. So, you know, some of the things I think that happened is, you know, I've just been sitting on a lot of content for a long time. I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. So I'm never okay. like being in front of the camera. Right. So now this is my new life. Like my new life is in front of cameras, talking to microphones. I've never really enjoyed that. And so part of the kind of overgrowth of the fruit is a book is, you know, when you develop so much content and so many courses now it's like, man, you have to package it for others to be able to, you know, consume them. And so when I wrote the book, one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to launch in a way that gave visibility to the work that we were doing, but then also mm-hmm. bring some of these subject matter experts. And so we brought in NBA player, uh, Kyle Korver, ESPN analyst, um, Sam Ocho, Grammy mm-hmm. Award winner Lecrae, New York Times bestseller, uh, Beth Moore, and then sex trafficking CEO, Kristen Kane, and mm-hmm. we just allowed them to speak into these respective areas about how people should not give up, how they can use the resources that they have accessible to them right now, and what are mm-hmm. the ways that they can begin to apply the principles to see their own lives grow. Um, actually, if you'd like to check it out, go to bjthompson.com. Um, I don't know. It's bjthompson. I forgot the website. We could put it in the show notes. Okay. We could put it. Yeah. yeah, we could put it in the show notes. Okay. See, that's how much I don't be wow. on my own website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that's okay. I wouldn't know either, so don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> but we could definitely so, oh, add the it It's bj thompsoncom That's what it is. Okay. Okay. bj thompsoncom and you can go sure. watch the replay. But again, we wanted to bring together these incredible voices to talk about what everyday people can do, right? Remember that. So much Mm -hmm. of what we think is, we think we got to be somebody super connected and have this award or that award. Mm -hmm. Really, you just have to be somebody with a passion and desire. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's what I really love doing. I love helping regular people make sense of their own lives and gain gain back power and agency and control. 
Wow. Wow. I am so excited. Um, and we'll make sure that it's in the show notes so that those of you who missed that, um, that you can go and take a look at it. Now let's talk about your book. You got it sitting there right there in the back. Oh, I was like, I need to get... Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember when you got that deal, right? Yeah. It's so exciting. I think we're under the same publisher too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I love the, I, you know, and I, and I, and I, I'm, let me just say this. Okay. I'm so grateful that we're seeing more people who look like us to get yes. book deals. I'm just going to say it. Um, and, you know, and, and, and not yeah, just, I you know, <laughs> I know, right? right? I am loud. so grateful that more people that look like us are getting book deals because, you know, and then also book deals on a, on, I mean, different, diverse That's topics, right. That's you know? right. That's the That's thing. Right. <laughs> so let me just say this super candidly. Yeah. Yeah. I am an expert in growth and development. Yes. And so you, know, you just got to understand for somebody who's a true coach to have to be pigeonholed to subject matters mm-hmm. because they're typecasting me. It's very like, yeah. it's daunting and it's inconsistent with who I actually am. And so, you know, as a coach, as somebody who writes programs and courses for human beings and people to develop across the spectrum of mind, body, spirit in this integrated way, I needed someone who was like, man, I believe you can do that, not be the diversity champion, not be the token, not be the this, not be the Mm -hmm. that. I needed the space to be me. And, And I love that for us. I love that the things that we're actually great at, passionate about. And I put in the 10,000 hours. I put in more than 10,000 hours into these works. Mm. I can now like publish books about it, not just put out mm. courses. And those books are everywhere. You can go to Target, Barnes and Nobles, Walmart. You know, you can pick that up. It is a globally published book. So, yes, yeah. I'm very excited about that. I'm also excited about the diversity we're able to write on. Yeah. And you know what? I'm so grateful for people like you and um, Jamar and different ones. We have like, I have different like text groups with different people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, let me tell you, when we're someplace and we're together, believe me, we're on a text group and we're like talking about everything. (laughs) Everything. 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 I like to cut up. Like, and so uh, we do that a lot. And I know, um, you know, even during the pandemic, we connected a lot because we were all trying to figure out like, oh my goodness, like, That's right. this is gonna, this we're is either gonna, we were trying to right. survive and we were trying to right. come up with every kind of idea on how we're going to raise money for these nonprofits that we're running and, you know, and how we're going to get attention in the midst of everything that's going on, you know? And so, I mean, we, you know, but it's good to have that support of people who are leading things and growing things and developing things and creating things like yourself and so many others where, um, you know, I don't even have to explain certain things to you because you know, because it's your story too. You know what it's like, you know? And I like the way we, um, one thing we we do like it's like people are just very open to sharing you know um in, in in our space like it's not like anyone is hoarding information but we we freely give like if we have a, a resource or if we have a contact you know because we're all trying to do this very difficult work and leading sometimes without um, the social capital or financial capital, you know, in in this work. And so I'm really, really um, um, grateful for that. Um, And so in your book, you give readers a four-step process to unlock Mm -hmm. um, greater uh, mental, spiritual, relational, and emotional health. Um, Mm -hmm. You say there is a um, desperation. uh, 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 I think there's a desperation of information, application, and transformation. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can can you share a little bit about each of those um, and how would those intersect with um, the life of bridge building? So we got yeah. bridge builders here and we got to take care of ourselves That's and there's right. some difficult work. And so what I noticed, especially in this work, uh, we, we take out, you know, especially those of us who are, are people of color, like it is a lot, you know, and we, you know, I always tell people, Hey, take breaks, you know, go sit on the sideline. But, but we, we, we understand that sometimes our very survival and our thriving depends on us getting back um, in the game. 
you know and so right. what you know what would have what um um what would you say to each of us as it relates to those um that the information application um uh transformation that that could help us as a bridge builder those who are listening yeah, that's great. So first and foremost, if people are not listening, make sure you take this episode and share it with at least five people. Uh, we want them so to get good. all of these episodes. It's incredible work that you're doing. And that happens because you as a listener, you subscribed, um, you hit share, and you like the podcast. You like um, the Instagram posts that give a pre- preview. And this is what allows us to make bring visibility to people who are often not visible. I love that you mentioned about even just the work that we do. I was sharing this, you know, uh-huh. within what we do in coaching and development. We also do charity, right? Um, because we also want to give back and do development yeah. work with kids. You know this, and so we work with orphans, right? So we work at yeah. orphanage to provide yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna have you talk about that. I just wanna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have you talk about the orphanage that you're working with too. Okay. Yeah, but but I just say that to say, when you share, like, subscribe, you bring visibility to that work, and you yeah. allow us to be able to continue that work in very essential and critical ways. You know, mm-hmm. for us, but for me, for somebody who's the oldest, who's always given away. One day you wake up and you realize you are out on fumes. And you mm-hmm. have served and helped everybody else but yourself. So you is tired, boss. You, uh, what's that lady that mean? Remember before the pandemic when they released them Popeye's chicken sandwiches and that lady was bent over Uh-oh. on the side? That lady was bent over on the side with that meme because she was so tired from serving them new chicken sandwiches, spicy chicken sandwiches. It's a meme on the internet. Uh-huh. Yes. That's how we are. Uh-huh. We, uh-huh. That. we pour out, pour out, pour out, pour out, and don't do anything to take in. So this book is specifically about how you can start caring for yourself, right? Mm. How you can start stopping, pausing, Understanding your narrative, understanding your story, beginning to bring to order the parts of you that you've neglected, the parts of you that you've invested in, mm-hmm. and allow them to work together in a way that brings you alive, right? Mm-hmm. And I use a lot of my story in this book because I want to show people that I come from some of the most challenging environments with the least amount of resources and the least amount of mm-hmm. relationships, but I learned these key principles, And the reason why these principles work is not because I've used them for myself exclusively to go from the rural to the suburb, to the urban, to the private community, to the public sector, to the corporate sector, to the sports world, to this, and it all worked. That's not it. I've actually worked with real people. And I love that's that's really probably the keys to our work, right, is I work with actual people. So I work with people who are Mm -hmm. athletes. I work with Fortune 500 companies. I work with people in the inner city. I work with people who, you know, are newly graduate um, college students. I've worked with all these individuals to be like, oh, that's why it works. It works because it works across the spectrum. So Mm. what's the process? The first Mm -hmm. thing you have to do in your mind is to make a decision, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's teetering. We're all scared. You know, I'm so scared. I, I want to I do something. Well, you got to be desperate. You have mm. to make a decision. And so until you make a decision, there can be no growth. There can mm. be no change. There can be no progress because everything starts, right? Change starts not with your circumstances, but change starts with your mindset. You making up in your mind, this has to change. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and do the same thing. I'm going to wake up and, and do something new even if I don't know. Right. But then you move Mm -hmm. from out of that place. And so now you need to know something. Right. So now you said, all right, I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to do something different. Now I need to get the right type of information about it. Right. Um, You know, people will tend to spend their wheels on things that, you know, will burn them out, will traumatize them. And really, it was like you didn't do any research. You took no time to research search. You just started doing some things. And I know this personally, right? I know this from somebody who used to skip school, shoot dice, beat people up, right? Like I did all the different things because I was always cutting corners. Well, there's certain corners in growth you can't cut because it's just a part of the process. So you need a process, right? And you mm-hmm. need a research process, right? So now mm-hmm. it's the information, the right information. Remember, the wrong information 
will have you stuck. The right information will have you excel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then from there, and I'll just kind of say this quickly, and feel free to ask any questions about this. Now is application. Okay. So mm-hmm. I moved from making a decision to researching to now I have to apply the thing that I just learned. Remember, when you get to this place, it has to be practical application. It can't just be this random thing, right? You're going to read, right, PhD students. My friends uh-huh. were PhD students, and they reading 600 pages a day. Tasha, I don't know how I'm going to read uh-huh. 600 pages a day. Even I know, if I right? Even Audible, huh? Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Even if I got on yeah. my Audible, there was no way for me to read 600 pages a day. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're just waking up in the morning and just going into a book. There is no <laughs> way for me to do that. So that's not practical. Now, if you said I needed to read 10 pages a day, mm. that makes sense, right? So practical application means right. what is it that you have the capacity to do in order to engage the process that you've developed? The last thing is the transformation. And this is a great part because you start to see the change. Well, here's the only caveat. You have to be aware of self-sabotage, right? Many mm. of us have. You ever heard the phrase, better the devil you know than the one you don't? You ever heard that phrase yeah, before? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it just yeah. basically means people get scared that once mm. I start coming to this new place and I start seeing a little bit, right? So I change my diet just a little bit. Mm-hmm, and I start mm-hmm. seeing these health benefits. Well, it gets scary because I've never been here before. Now mm-hmm. I have to guard myself on self-sabotage. And I have to believe I'm not an imposter that I actually belong here. I belong in this healthier, more experienced, um, more freeing version of myself. Freeing version of myself. If you've been enjoying and learning from the Be The Bridge podcast, we invite you to join us in this work. You can support and sustain our mission as a recurring partner at bethebridge.com forward slash give. You can also help spread this word of bridge building by supporting and really sporting our apparel. So if you haven't gotten your Be The Bridge hat, sweatshirt, all of the things, let's take the message to the street. Visit our online store at shop.bethebridge.com and make sure we're spreading the word about all the work that Be The Bridge is doing and will do. At Be The Bridge, we're doing the work to empower people and culture toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial reconciliation. And this work is only possible because of the generosity of bridge builders like you. So thank you so much for those of you who are listening and sharing our podcast, sharing our polls, those of you who are giving to this work um, that's helping us create resources and material um, that will transform hearts. Um, So join us at bethebridge.com forward slash give and let's continue to build bridges together. Thank you so much. I'm like, I'm sitting up here thinking, you know, just I'm still thinking about like your story and and your beginning story and really basically how you have overcome yourself personally, you know, and um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking like, what was the thing when you were a kid? Uh, I'm sure it had to be like, you know, although your mom was young, you know, the family that you had around you or the support system, I'm just like, how am I sitting here talking to this wise, you know, young man that has, you would never, like how you say, you don't look like what you've been through, wow. you know, and, mm-hmm. and just, it, you know, and I think it's just something, it's just really telling for anyone that's listening to this. Um, just your beginnings d- does not determine, you know, your end point, you know, That's right. um, or your middle point, you know. And so what was that thing for you, BJ? Like, I mean, I'm just thinking like you are, are you very disciplined? Uh, are you a very disciplined person? I mean, <clears throat> sometimes it just depends. If we talk about being on time, <laughs> maybe, right? Sometimes. I'll just tell you what it is. I, I mean, literally, I'll give you my secret. I have a 
adverse reaction to negative outcomes in my own life. Right. Mm-hmm. I never, I remember growing up, you said it as a kid, I was like this as a kid. I thought about, you know, I have family members who were strung out on alcohol. Now, why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember looking at them thinking at a, as a seven year old, I don't know what yeah. I want to be, but I'll never be that. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. it was like, I, I had, we're making decisions at six and seven. No, mm-hmm. that's not yeah. the life I choose. Right. Yeah. And I think as life, again, you get these limiting, these self-limiting beliefs because you come from a certain environment or a certain thing. And you see, this is not working out. You're kind of mm-hmm. left with a choice. Do I want to keep mm-hmm. doing it like this and experiencing the same thing? Poverty, sickness, relationship confusion, spiritual confusion, gender confusion, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. Or do I want to make a new choice? And I think mm. what happened over time is I just kept making new choices. Well, that means mm. I had to become a new person. Mm. And, you know, again, mm-hmm. I think the thing that people get from me, specifically ask me how people can connect with me. I think because I think what people get from me is like my environment was so volatile. I talk about a story in there where, you know, people bring this up to me all the time. Random people, too. Mm. Oh, I read the story about you getting into this um I, well, I tell the story about me getting into this fight with three guys. And I went three and oh in this. <laughs> I, did. I did. I went three and oh. All right. Okay. Let me, let me okay. tell you why. How, how, how old were you? How old were you? 16, 17. I was oh, 16, 16, 17 years seven. old. Okay, okay. And I went three and oh. Okay. But let me uh-huh. tell you what happened. And listen, I'm not saying I was right to get into the situation. The way I got into it was really right. kind of bad. I got into it with this young woman. Yeah. She had friends that were her brothers. They was like, we're going to see you. We're going to beat the brakes off of you. That's basically what they told me. Uh-huh. And yeah. instead of running from the fight, I called one of the guys like, where you, where you at? Let's meet up. So we met up and we handled business. And then the next guy, I, 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 brought, I wrote the story in about how I got off the bus. I had a choice. I could have got on a city bus because, you know, this is back in the day. This is before helicopter yeah. parenting, right? I grew up having to make it to and fro from school, either on a city bus, on a school bus. And okay. I could have gotten okay. on a city bus, which would have taken me right in front of my house, right down the street. Or I could have rode the school bus, which would have dropped me at an adjacent school. I knew that the next guy that I needed to get into an altercation with was at that school. I made the choice to get on that bus. Okay. I made the choice not knowing who was even waiting on me. And I think the thing that people get from Mm. me is I've been in so many volatile environments. I'm not saying I'm fearless, but it's hard for me to be afraid. And it's because I've seen so much. Mm. I know the real threats. I know the real predators. And so I think that what people pull from my story is they kind of draw upon my strength. That's what it is. They're drawing Mm. on my strength to go, oh, you're not afraid. So then I say to them, you should stop being afraid to ask for that promotion. You should stop being afraid to start that nonprofit. You should stop being afraid to begin to repair that marriage if it's repairable. You should stop being afraid to reconcile with your family. You should stop being afraid to do this thing and this transformation in your health that you've always been waiting for. And I think mm-hmm. what people start to see with this kind of integration of me sharing a whole story, because for the longest time, she's only sharing one part of my story. I was telling about the time when I came to faith and when I changed and want to help people. I was not telling all mm. chapters of my story. So then again, I was washing okay. out my own story, right? Instead of, again, if it's a 1 through 35, 1 through 40 uh, chapter story based off your life, I was only telling chapter 20 through 27. I wasn't telling chapter mm. 1 through 35, 1 through 42, right? I wasn't telling that part. Yeah. Right? And so because I started telling my whole story, now it makes more sense. Oh, that's why you're not afraid. Are you dug bullets? Yes. Did you dug bullies? Did you dug bullies? No. Oh, you never dug one of them. No, not any of them. That's why you're not afraid to do this. I don't have to be afraid. No, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of this. (laughs) 
Yeah, <laughs> that'll yeah. be the thing that kills you. So, and man, boy, has things changed now because now yeah. you don't know if that person is going to meet you at the bus stop. Like p- kids don't fight like like especially here in Atlanta. You oh, know, they were not like they how were not when I was back in the up. day. Uh-huh. You know when you. Yeah, the gun the gun balance now is like a whole nother level, you know, even with young kids, you know. Um, in the beginning of your book, you say um, every thought in this book and the basis of um, and the basis of who you are is undergirded by one basic principle. And this is something I hear you say. I think you posted. Um, I don't know if you're still on that that bird app. I don't even want to say it, uh, but uh, I'm not sure if you're on that app still. But you say it all the time. I'm really talking about the Bridge Podcast. Oh, the Bridge Podcast. That's right. You say um, you're a mess yet deeply loved by God. Why is this important to start from there and build on that? Yeah, that's you a great always point. you always post about it. Uh, I think you may have a T-shirt and stickers. Oh, you know, I do. But it's, I do yeah, have a T-shirt. Like People you, love the T-shirt. Yeah, you are a mess yet deeply loved by God. Yeah. What, 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 why is that important to start from there? Yeah, because I think most of us that. start out of the the personal development. We started out of guilt and shame. Uh-huh. We start our changes yeah. out of guilt and shame. Right, that's the sisters. Guilt, shame. Right. Mm-hmm, You're trying to mm-hmm. change yourself by guilt and shame. And that's never sufficient because if you move forward and you fail, they're just going to scoot tighter to you, right? They're going to move in closer to you and remind mm-hmm. you why. And you have to know that you are loved first, right? That you are deeply loved yeah. for who you are. Not for who you pretend to be, who you project to be, for who you are. Mm-hmm. When you know you are loved for who you are, it changes the tone of how you're able to be courageous about changing your life. And so when I talk about that, I talk about the I am a mess part. It means you, you are who you are, flaws and all, right? None of mm. us need to lie about that. Again, you we're in very essential work and coaching and bridge building, but you got to admit your own biases, right? Like your own mm-hmm. explicit and subconscious biases. You have to, because this is just a part of this journey. But you're not mm-hmm. just those biases and the weaknesses. You are the strengths. You are the beauty. You are loved. And when you do that, now it's not so paralyzing every time you make a mistake. You can say something stupid. I'm sure y'all cry the cover this in y'all's training, right? Staying, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe y'all call it saying something stupid in a conversation and how uh-huh. you can recover from it because yeah. you're loved. You move into these yeah. environments where you are loved and it, it doesn't characterize you. It's just a part of the journey. It's just a part of the process. And so I talk about this self-growth, self-actualizing journey. It Mm -hmm. has to be rooted in that. Otherwise, it'll be rooted in shame and guilt. And it'll lead us instantly back to the places that we really don't want to see. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes if we're just honest with, you know what, this is a mess. This is a mess. But it doesn't have to remain a mess, you know? And I, I think, you know, just that, that admitting that, you know, I always say, you know, in this world of um, racial literacy, we always say, you know, it's, it's broken. It's a mess. It's a complete mess. We didn't, we didn't create the mess, but it is our responsibility to bring about solutions for it, you know? And so um, I think that's, um, you know, what you're exactly what you're saying there. What, what encouragement or advice would you give to those of us in the racial adjustment work? Um, those who are listening, um, they're in this, this, this work of racial justice um, mm-hmm. and they need to make time for rest, self-care. I mean, so many, I mean, I was just thinking about, um, um, I think the young lady that was in, um, in Texas, um, I think her name was Tatiana, um, her sister, um, just passed and her sister was very young. Um, it was the, the little boy that she was, um, actually playing video games, her nephew, his mom just passed from, um, um, heart failure. Um, wow. I, you know, you hear about, I, I heard about, um, the, the guy up in, um, in New York, I, his name is so many names, but Eric um, Garner, um, I think that was Eric Garner um, up in New in, in New York, where his um, his I think it was his daughter 
um, she, you know, she, her health. I mean, and just like, you know, you're hearing about suicide of a lot of activists and just all these things, um, you know, and so we know that rest and self-care is important. I mean, even with our organization, um, we probably give a little more vacation than the typical, um, you know, organization. We have a period of time during the summer where we're just, we just all shut it down because it's one thing when you take vacation, but when everybody else is working, when you come back, you got a whole pile on, you know? Um, yeah. And so, it, but we take a, a time during the summer where we just kind of give everyone a time to reset. We have to do things a little different than the mm. typical organization because of what we deal with and the, um, the, um, the stress that it causes. And so, uh, but a lot of times that's overlooked and not prioritized. What are some of the things that you do that can help those that are listening that are involved in the racial justice space? um, What can, what are some things that you, um, that you're doing that can cause them to center um, rest and self-care? Yeah, that's a great question. So two things. One, um, pick up five copies of the Awaken a Better You book. <laughs> right. Audible, Amazon, yeah. Target, yes. uh, Barnes yeah. & Noble, wherever books are sold. And I mean that very uh-huh. seriously and yeah. go through it because it's detailed instruction on how to take care of you in a holistic way, right? Mm. So I think this is really important. Is like we're kind of winging it and self-care means like taking baths, getting massages. Yeah. Well, yeah. that doesn't resolve other meaningful exactly. areas of life. And mm-hmm. I would just say, you know, especially as you go check it out, buy five copies, go through it with friends, especially for those who are doing the critical work, because you do need to have a mature okay. knowledge on how to take care of yourself. The second thing is, mm-hmm. and this is what we do, you talked about charity. One of the ways that keeps me from being burnt out um, is not just the rest that I take, it's the work that I do. And the work that I do mm. with like orphans and with kids that recharges yeah. my spirit, right? Because it's not about contention. It's not trying to argue with anybody. It's not about trying to create some type of emotional um, trap. It's I am working with human beings, helping them flourish by providing their basic needs like clean water, clothing, beds, education. And when I watch those seeds grow, it inspires my hope. Right. Mm. Um, it keeps me from being caught up in foolish talk, keeps me being caught uh-huh. up in foolish debate. One of the best things I did, I, you know, I say this a lot. I left certain groups and my uh-huh. mental health cleared up because I don't have to engage in argument and debate. I'm only engaging in the things that build people up, that bring um, they bring uh-huh. shalom to my soul. And so I think you got to find those things. Uh-huh. What are the things for you? For us, it's BBU Cares. That's one of the things that I do. But you got to find your things. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you do every day or that you do that you're doing intentionally that bring peace and rest to your soul to where now as you're doing some of these difficult work, you really have a better balance and you're not burnt out. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about um, um, the... The, the I think it's BBU, uh, the the group that you're working at, uh, BB Cares. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing? I think you're doing some things in Africa, right? When you yeah, got tell, yeah, Uganda. Can you tell us a little bit? I I had the opportunity to go to Uganda a few years ago, um, to southern and northern Uganda, um, yep. and you know, and so incredible country. Um, so I would love to hear more about. Let's tell the audience about what you're doing and what you're working on there. Absolutely. So first and foremost, um, you know, if you're a person of faith, you know, there's a passage in James which says pure religion, undefiled religion is caring for the orphan and the widows. Right. So mm-hmm. one who can bridle mm-hmm. their tongue and care for the orphan and the widow. Yeah. And what this means is just these are people who are they, they need support. Right. Everybody doesn't need you know, we all need relationships. Everybody needs support in a specific way. And so mm-hmm. pure faith looks out for people who truly need support. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that, that we discovered as a growth and development organization is that, you know, in America, there's tools and resources, courses that we can just give. So we send you through a course, you go through this program, you gain this experience, it works. But when you try to do that in places that lack clean water, the ability to go to school, the ability to like have safe shelter, the ability to have 
clothing and a nutritious meal. You're mm-hmm. asking people to pull themselves up by a bootstrap with no shoestrings. And so because of that, repeat that to, again. I said, hey, I said, hey, BJ, repeat that again. OK, what I said is in America, we can give people or develop any developed nation courses, programs and experiences, and it will benefit them in the ways that we've intended because they have all their essential needs. When you go to places that are underdeveloped, that don't have social safety nets, you know, for kids, for adults, for disabled people, and you try to give them those courses, those programs to develop, you're asking them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps with no shoestrings. There are Mm -hmm. no shoestrings. So if you are a child and your parents die and your family can no longer afford to keep you, feed you, and take care of you, you literally go to the streets. There's no mm-hmm. in-between. There's no buffer. There's no child protective services. You literally become a homeless two-year-old. You become a homeless four-year-old. Mm-hmm. And that's what a true orphan is, right? The work that we do, and we decided to do this intentionally Black-led, because the organizations that we saw working were 99% majority of white-led organizations. And we had to ask Mm -hmm. ourselves tough questions. Are we comfortable with seeing black and brown people only having initiatives being developed by white, non-melanated people as their primary exclusive way of developing programs, agency, and support? And we were not comfortable with that, right? And because we know that less than 5% of minority-led organizations receive funding, it didn't matter. So we said, we're going to first and foremost provide basic needs. All right, Mm -hmm. we want to partner with reputable people, vet them, go through all of of the processes to ensure Mm -hmm. certifications, everything else. Figure out what's needed, right? Get down to the basics. You ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Right. The first yeah. thing is mm-hmm. safety, shelter, food, clothing, water. If that's not mm-hmm. there, we are establishing that. So what we do now is we are establishing consistent education because if you, you go to places like that, there's no, I'm sure you, when you went there, you saw kids walking around. Right. It was mm-hmm. a school day and they're walking around. Did you did you notice that when you went to Uganda? Mm-hmm. Well, yes. And, and, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK. And the reason being is because there's no public school system. Right. Right. <laughs> That's why. So you saw kids with uniforms walking up and down the roads because they were not paying tuition fees. Their parents could not afford tuition fees. They went to school anyway and were turned around. Mm-hmm. So the educational gap is large if you yep. cannot afford to go to school. So one, we provide education Two, safe shelter. So right now, even as we speak, we're working on getting our um, facility up to code. So our children live where there's no running water. Mm-hmm. They have a water pump at the front. So we're getting a new clean water pump well. But then we have to figure out the facility. How do we get bedding? Because the kids are sleeping on concrete on the floors and like this little thin mattress deal, right? So now we have to get like beds built that are going to fit within this temporary structure for 28 children. So it's like, how do you build sustainable beds so that when it's rain, kids are not rain, they're not sleeping in puddles of water, right? Mm-hmm. Then having to get mm-hmm. up and do these different things. And so, you know, essentially it's all the little things that you and I just take for granted. It's things that we don't think about right. that we're bringing operational dollars to, but then a holistic program that not only helps them survive, but to thrive. One of the goals that we have is providing a supplemental education where we bring in a tutor. Because again, mm-hmm. many of those kids are behind. The little ones who started in the pandemic, mm-hmm. they missed mm-hmm. a year and a half of school. Yeah. Right? Because when COVID came, they were sent home. But these are their critical years of education. This is their primary education. So now the four-year-old yeah. is missing years four through six in education. There's no head start. There's no mm-hmm. anything. They're just at home writing on a chalkboard. So now there's a lot of educational gaps. And we know that education is yeah. the number one way to pull people out of poverty. So now we mm-hmm. have to bring in supplemental education to ensure the tutoring happens. But then not only that, one of the other goals 
is to make sure that we bring them like technical training, like coding, teaching them about digital currency, teaching yeah. them how to do the things that will allow them to be sustainable long term and through empowerment. And so mm-hmm. we're doing that in West um, Uganda. Um, you say you were north. I, I went to su- Southern and I also went to Northern with another organization, um, a, a program called, um, I forget the name of the program, but I also do work with Africa New Life down in Rwanda too. And they have like this holistic approach. I'll have to tell you about some of the work that um, Africa New Life is doing, which is Rwandan led. Um, so cool. I, I have to tell you about that. Yeah, yeah but all that, all that to say, but that's again, I love that. I love it. I lo- no, no. I was just saying, I love that what you're doing um, in West Uganda, um, and I'm, I'm glad that you know we'll, we can put some information in the show notes mm-hmm. about what you're doing. And I like that you know, um, as a black led organization, that you're you're leading those efforts, you know, and, and doing that. And that is important. It is important for them to see, um, you know. Um, people like us, I guess people, somebody listening said, well, no, it's important that they see anybody that's going to help them. But no, it's really empowering when they see um, people like them, you know, and then it, it, and it's also good for us to, um, to, to go to what we call the motherland and visit right. and, um, and become familiar with the culture. So I love the beauty of all that you're doing. Um, tell me, you know, as we get ready to close now, um, tell me what what are some things that are um, um, that you're lamenting right now? Some things that may be causing um, deep sorrow for you right now. Yeah, I think that some of the things that I'm lamenting is our lost sense of um, identity, mm-hmm. of who we actually mm-hmm. are. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also lamenting this, what seems like a very it's a grave mistake um, that we have as far as like developing children. Mm-hmm. And how we help them like gain confidence and what they're confident in and why. Mm-hmm. And then I'm um, I'm also just grieving the fact that we have so many um what feels like this intentional um misinformations about like critical things like health. It's just mm-hmm. a weird thing. I'm just lamenting, like, man, why mm-hmm. is there like feels like there's this these voices that are keeping people from getting healthy food. Mm. Or knowing about like all of the poisons is like, what is that? Why is it trying to drown us out? Why are we right, being right. mm-hmm. entities? And so I, I just been really talking with my children and trying to just come to a healthier place. But those are some of the things I'm grieving right now. Oh, that's good. That's good. And I, I love the fact that, you know, what you're you're demonstrating is just how we as a people are not monolithic, you know, and that we have different passions and different goals and desires. And um, but they they all take us to a place of beauty. You know, yeah. they all take us to a place where we can flourish and thrive. And so, um, you know, what are some things now that's that's bringing you hope? You know, what is something that's bringing you hope? Oh, yeah. So what's bringing me hope is the work that we're doing in Uganda. So, I mean, Uh it's a beautiful thing. I sat on the steps a couple of months ago with our kids and I was like, man, these kids are really depending on us. Mm. So it just really brought me hope and just made me realize that, you know, even with all of the, you know, publishing deals and the courses that we do, what really brings me hope Mm. is like being able to do charity, being able to give back. Um, and to empower marginalized yeah. groups. I think what's also giving me hope mm-hmm. is I'm watching people um, here like change. I'm watching people self-actualize. I'm watching mm-hmm. working professionals like do a better job of taking care of themselves, integrate, um, and mm-hmm. then do critical work with others. And so it's been really rewarding to see, man, it's not just about you being selfish, right? You're healing, like recovering mm-hmm. what's broken, restoring what's broken. But then now you want to help somebody else. So that's been really like yeah. hard for me. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much for just joining mm-hmm. us. We're going to make sure, um, you know, we'll have in the show notes everything about your book and everything and how people can get in contact with you. But we're so grateful for you, BJ. You. We're so grateful for, you know, Build a Better Us. We're so grateful that you wrote a book, Awaken a Better You, and how this is helping so many people. And, um, you know, and it's, it's a cornerstone for what your organization is doing and helping build healthy, strong people 
people, individuals, and families. And so we're we're grateful for you. And I, I I'm I'm thankful that you're here in Atlanta doing all these amazing things. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you more um, in the future. So thank you all for listening to the Be the Bridge podcast. And I am Latasha Morrison, and this was BJ Thompson of Build a Better You. Thanks for listening to the Be the Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be the Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer. And transcribed by Sarah Knatzer. Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production.